You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is the second appendix lecture from Spiritual Beings in the Heavenly Bodies and in the Kingdoms of Nature by Rudolf Steiner. It is, adre- in an, it is an address to the Russian participants at the lecture course. And this particular lecture he gave to them in Helsinki on June 5th, 1913 is called The Occult Foundations of the Bhagavad Gita. When we were gathered here last year, those of you who were present with our Russian friends carried in their hearts the buds, as it were, of something which has unfolded over the past year, namely the awareness which should permeate our hearts more and more, that theosophy, or anthroposophy as we call it, is not just some knowledge or credo that people pick up, rather it should lay hold of the whole soul of each individual, and the soul of all humankind in our epoch. This awareness will have to develop gradually, and we must remain totally immune from any illusion that its full significance and impact can be easily attained. Only very slowly and by degrees can we achieve through a living experience of it a full awareness of the real significance of the theosophical impulse. This truth may seem quite commonplace, but this is one area where precisely the things that seem most ordinary must be treated with the utmost seriousness. Let us consider simply one thing, in the light of all that belongs to such a consciousness. Let us consider that it is nearly two thousand years since the Christ impulse came down from on high into earthly life, that the Gospels are among the most widely distributed books in the world, and that for centuries and centuries millions of human souls have believed themselves to have a right relationship with the Christ. Now set against this the fact that any honest person, unless so immodest as to claim an understanding he or she does not possess, such a person must wrestle with the question what really is the Christ impulse, and that in order to gain any genuine understanding of the Christ impulse, such a soul would have to hope for new revelations from the spiritual world. Other facts. Last year I attended with a few friends the Easter service at the Russian Orthodox Church. Immediately afterward I had tried to put into word my experience believing it would be food for thought. What flowed forth from that Easter service was strictly a consciousness of the dead Christ. Yet the message needed for human salvation today and in the future must be one about the eternal life of Christ. And as a kind of background to that religious service, something else came to mind when I abstracted what was being performed by individuals who did not measure up to the cult they were celebrating. What I perceived behind the service was a kind of tableau of ancient sacred mysteries. Those mysteries have evolved into the external forms of the religious service, and many people feel it in the depths of their hearts, but the very people who consider themselves the most qualified interpreters of those mysteries are least capable of understanding them. Try to let one thought sink deeper and deeper into your soul. The thought that theosophy proceeds from the heart of each individual, and that through theosophy or anthroposophy something entirely new must flow into human evolution. 
try to impress into your hearts one truth, namely that the signs of the time require us, at least in the intimacy of our own souls, to refuse any kind of compromise with the surrounding world. A plant cannot give rise to a new plant unless it dies and forms the new plant out of one small point in itself, the seed. In the same way, my dear friends, theosophy is something that actually must develop out of a small, totally new seed in our souls. And from all that was part of the old plant of humanity, only that must remain which is universal, only that which we contemplate when we consider the mystery of Golgotha. The leaves, the trunk, the age of age-old human culture will have to fall away. The blooms, the mystery of Golgotha will have to remain like a reminder of the seed that must come to fruition in theosophy. And this seed, my dear friends, will have to carry within itself the awareness that we must seek to help those flowers unfold in ever-renewed ways. Then the Christ impulse will live in many forms through human evolution and yet remain the same, just as each new flower bears in itself the force and the beauty of the old flowers. But at the same time the impulse will be what it seeks to be in its innermost essence, something that arises again and again, an ever self-renewing understanding of the thing that was given as a new beginning of human evolution, when the blood flowed from the wounds of the one who had taken human form in order to experience death within humankind. All the worlds we can pass through when we move from our physical world into ever higher worlds have one thing in common. It is in general correct that on entering a higher world we always find much that is completely new, but also something that belongs to the world directly below it. But when we come to know the higher worlds, we learn that one thing is not to be found there, for it can exist only in the physical world. The gods of the higher worlds can have manifold experiences, but they cannot experience death. For in the supersensible world there is no death. The beings of those worlds transform themselves. They pass from one form to another, but they cannot die. And among all the gods and spirits there has been only one, the Christ, who in order to make common cause with humanity descended into the human world, and he united himself with humankind, not only through his life, but also through his death. And through his death new forces of life streamed out if they are to be new life forces for humanity, the contemplation of Golgotha must be the starting place, for at this single point in human evolution is concentrated all that God wished to accomplish for humans through infinite sacrifice. If you try to take these thoughts and make them into a living meditation, you will see that they can become the source of the strongest life forces for every human being. There is no more exalted picture than that of the cross raised on Golgotha. My dear friends, an imagination such as that of the cross on Golgotha can be endlessly fruitful for human beings. This symbol, which was at the same time a reality, was given to us nearly two thousand years ago, and yet we must learn to understand it more and more deeply in the future as human evolution continues. These are simple, primitive thoughts, but they are not meant to be turned into metaphysics but to create feelings which will fit us to play a rightful part in human evolution. You know that in the course of evolution humanity has become differentiated into separate nations and peoples. Each people has a distinctive character due to the fact that each people is under the leadership of one of those spirits we include in the hierarchy of archangels. These archangels are the highest representatives of the separate peoples. 
a spiritual outlook on the world, must result in each individual realizing a closer and closer link with the archangel who is the leader of his or her people. And only if we understand what the folk soul intends for us, only then shall we be fitted to cooperate in the spiritual evolution of mankind. And in this context, we must draw a sharp distinction between the Western European folk soul and the East European Russian folk soul. I am not speaking now of the external culture of the Russian people, as we know it on the physical plane. I am speaking of the Russian folk soul, who is present in the spiritual world, awaiting with confidence and hope its future task. Compared with the Western European folk soul, we get the impression that the Russian folk soul is still young and in the ascendant, while the others are old and worn. The culture of Central Europe stands as a go-between between East and West, and to equate it with the others would be a fundamental misunderstanding. In a very special way, the task of that Central European culture is to act as the herald of the past in later times. Just think how the whole European culture of the Western world came into being. The Oriental peoples had advanced into ancient India and had developed there an impressive culture as we encounter it in the Bhagavad Gita. These peoples had pushed on as far as southern Asia. While they had wisdom of evolution, what, excuse me, while they had such great wise teachers as the Rishis and Zarathustra, the wisdom of evolution had arranged that quite primitive people should be left behind all over the wide regions of Europe and in your own country also. While in Asia there flowered the far-reaching conceptions that we find in the Sankhya and Vedanta philosophies, the European peoples had simple primitive forms of culture. Why? Because cultures can progress only in such a way that everything which is to emerge later as a new impulse must first be received by primitive peoples. The peoples of the East, who had risen to a certain height of intellectual development, would never have been able to understand, for example, the Christ impulse. It would have been beyond the bounds of possibility for them. The peoples of the culture of the West had not yet come to the stage of accepting the spiritual with their heads. The force which lives in the heart and rises to the head had not reached the head. In India, everything was a culture of the head. But the European peoples were still imbued with the original strength of primitive feelings concentrated in their hearts. Only such peoples, because their soul qualities were still centered in their hearts, could gradually absorb the mystery of Golgotha into their feelings. Thus it was European culture, because by remaining backward it had kept its primal forces fresh, and primal forces are more nearly related to the divine, which was ready to receive the Christ impulse. So in the Western world two streams flowed together, and anyone who can perceive these things will know that the two streams must be sharply distinguished from each other, otherwise one could not clearly distinguish the fundamental tone of Fichte, the Central European philosopher, from the fundamental tone of Spinoza, another European philosopher. It can happen in human evolution that something that belongs to the general culture of the time is carried on by the same individuality, and as some of you may know, the individuality of Spinoza reappears in Fichte. But Fichte, as a separate personality of the 18th-19th century, was a man who could be penetrated by the full force of the Christ impulse, while Spinoza, although the same individuality, belonged to the other stream, and the Christ impulse was quite alien to him. There is a great deal still lacking in European culture which must develop. 
those parts of it which have grown old must be brought to work together with those that are still young and fresh with hope. The Russian folk-soul, the being which belongs to the order of archangels, is young and hopeful. Its task is still to come. It will be for Russian theosophists to find the bridge from individual souls to the folk-soul, to learn what the folk-soul asks of them. Given certain preconditions, you will find it particularly easy, with the aid of all that lives in your souls, to bring the Christ impulse to life in your hearts. But just because you are inwardly predisposed to find this easy, you will have great difficulties to face. You will learn that precisely to you a deep truth applies in the highest degree, the truth that you must take your stand on your own souls and bring theosophy to life in your own hearts. For theosophy, being essentially the message of our epoch, can make no compromise with other outlooks. To other outlooks it speaks stern words, words that have been heard before in the course of evolution. Those who look for theosophy in the old materialistic cultures, all contemporary cultures come under this heading, or at least nearly so, or those who seek a compromise with them, must hear spoken to them with all sternness the words of Christ Jesus, quote, let the dead bury their dead, follow me, unquote. The dead are the cultures which verge on materialism. They are already well equipped to dig their own graves, quote, let the dead bury their dead, unquote. But the duty of human souls is to follow with understanding the spiritual power which goes through the world as the Christ impulse. Therefore, if you look for an answer to your quest in the old traditions and practices, you will not find in them what has led you to theosophy. It is good to discern how the divine enters into these old traditions, but those who come to theosophy today will do so precisely because their soul is not marked with age but is a soul like yours, fresh and direct, coming to meet theosophy uninfluenced by any traditions. The forces of life, not merely those of knowledge, are what the theosophical impulse requires from your souls. My dear friends, many of you, perhaps most or even all of you, feel in yourselves, though you may put it differently, the pain of being separated from your folk soul for the time being. Many of you, perhaps most or even all of you, feel you need a new stimulus for your energies and your will, though again you may not see it quite like that. Try to see, resolve to see, the pain that comes from your lack of energy and willpower as indicating a virginal, untouched quality of will, waiting only to be stirred by the theosophical impulse. Turn this impulse into a force of will, transform your pain into strength your weakness of will into theosophical activity. By this path you will enter into the heart of theosophy. Try to refashion whatever in you is weak or not fully present. Then you will be able to become the best representatives of theosophy. Remember, too, that the souls which now inhabit your bodies are not destined to be incarnated next time in Eastern Europe only. They are destined to be spread all over the earth. When in the course of your life between death and rebirth you are approaching a new incarnation, you will hear words spoken to you. To one it will be said, quote, You have fulfilled your task. You will, you will be able to carry into the world what you acquired on earth and could acquire only on the soil of Eastern Europe. Unquote. To another it will be said, You cannot do it. Think of the feeling you now have for theosophy as an instinct for what I have just been saying, as a vague feeling for the task that is to be yours. Think of it in such a way that it will carry strength from your I into your thinking, 
feeling and willing and thence into your blood. Then you will interpret rightly this instinct which urges you toward theosophy. You have found it possible, despite the difficult conditions that prevail in your country, to assemble here unhindered, make use of this opportunity to achieve the greatest possible inward relatedness among you in order to build the bridge between each one of you and your folk soul. It cannot be my task to speak in detail of the services you can render to your folk soul, but I would like to say something else and would ask you, though I speak in words, to allow the words to change within you into feelings. You are in a special situation, at the opposite pole, as it were, from a people, the people of North America, who are rising to a short period of brilliance. Reflect that these American people, your opposites, began to advance slowly westward, just at the time when the epoch of materialism had begun in Europe. And they developed this materialism still further. Remember that materialism prevails in the very roots of American civilization. Remember that the people who colonized America took with them the ideas that were current in educated Europe only a few centuries ago. While they were making their way through primeval forests, clearing the land bit by bit and preparing it for agriculture, activities we generally associate with quite uncultured people, they were already imbued with a whole range of materialistic modern concepts. They thought in terms of parliaments, natural science, modern social organization. Everything they accomplished was done under the influence of materialism. Think of the man who is generally regarded as one of their most important writers, the man whom they elected as their president, Woodrow Wilson. In the context of the present day, he really is a significant writer. He has produced some brilliant literary studies of social life. But if one looks at his concepts and ideas, at everything he stands for as a representative of the American people, what does it amount to? A house of cards. If the spiritual world were once to breathe upon it, this house of cards and the whole culture it typifies would collapse. This American civilization can be traced back in every detail to the history books and the cultural history of previous centuries. It all lies there openly. Everything about it is man-made. Ask yourselves whence your character as a people comes, whence comes your spiritual life and all the best qualities you can cherish in your souls. You will not find the origin of all this on earth. Its roots are in the spiritual world. All this is living and organic. It is no house of cards. It should never be a source of pride, however, but of modesty and humility. We should derive from it a feeling of responsibility, not an arrogant self-consciousness. Yesterday I spoke to you about freedom. A great deal of water will have to flow under the bridges of Europe before any considerable number of people come to understand fully what freedom in this sense means. What is freedom? Looking to the West, what does it mean for an American? Whatever gives him the most comfortable life. For him, freedom signifies a social order which gives every individual the best chance to get on in the world. Our idea of freedom, says Woodrow Wilson, is different from that of Europeans because we think of it in practical terms. A knife is used to cut with and a fork to eat with because they are practically useful for these purposes. Freedom for an American is a utility product. It is something that serves his convenience. For the Western European, freedom has been something very different, a lofty ideal to which he looked up. One could almost apply the words of a poet and say that for a European, freedom is, quote, a high and glorious goddess.
unquote, while for the American, freedom is the useful cow which provides him with milk and butter. I am not the one putting it this way. It is the man who will be responsible for guiding the United States during the next few years. My task is not to advance opinions of my own, but to act as an interpreter of the living realities of the spiritual world. An outstanding American, Woodrow Wilson, has himself characterized freedom in this way. If now we take all that heroic spirits in Europe struggle to express in describing this divine freedom as a lofty, majestic goddess, we shall have to say, all our enthusiasm, our feelings and our thoughts go out toward the ideal of freedom as it hovers before these Europeans. But now you must understand that for the adherence of a spiritual worldview, freedom has to become something quite different again. You would be badly mistaken if you failed to realize that everything has to be made anew. We are faced with the demand that freedom has to become quite different from the idea of it which the best human minds have cherished hitherto. For we know that in the near future we as human beings will be enabled to approach a divine source and drink from it the waters of the Spirit, that these waters will live on in our souls, and that with their aid we shall have to learn how to enshrine freedom in our souls just as we enshrine our souls in our bodies. In the eyes of some people, freedom is a practical convenience for external life. For others, it is a lofty spiritual ideal. For us, it must be something we enshrine in our souls and which is higher than the soul to the same degree that the soul is higher than the body. In order to accomplish this, we need to learn much, and then we shall go forward in the way intended by the eternal spiritual powers who have caused theosophy to flow into your souls. My dear friends, such are the simplest words, spoken not to your intellects but to your hearts, that I wished to say to you on this occasion, now that you have found it possible, to devote yourselves to theosophy as an organized movement in your country. So let us take the opportunity at this moment to become fully conscious of the lofty task assigned to us by a spiritual comprehension of the world. Then if you live in this consciousness, something will radiate out as a healing influence for the whole country from the quiet work in theosophical branches. We will only begin to understand spiritual life once we know that the spread of theosophy is not accomplished only through external achievements, but that when we work together as well as we can to gain an understanding of theosophy, the effects of our spiritual endeavors stream out invisibly. We know indeed that a town in which a theosophical lodge exists becomes after thirty years a quite different place, even though only a few theosophists have worked there, from a town which has no theosophical lodge. So will your country become quite different if you receive with inner understanding what theosophy has to give. I am not speaking to you as Western Europeans, or as members of this nation or that. I know that any such description would not apply to you. But just for this reason I may perhaps be allowed to say, salvation can come to Russia, but it must not be sought along a false path. I am saying this not because I love theosophy, but because the whole evolution of humanity can teach us to take it as the truth. There is a way of salvation for Russia, and its name is theosophy. In other regions of the earth, theosophy will be an excellent means of progress for mankind. For Russia, Theosophy is the only way, the indispensable means of enabling the Russian people to unite themselves with their folk soul, so that this folk soul may not be called away to tasks other than those destined for it. 
With these words I should like to inaugurate your newly founded branches, for I know how your hearts respond to the sacred significance of these words. Then there will be established in your souls that connection which is necessary for the salvation of your country, the connection between the mystery of Golgotha and a human understanding of that mystery. Then in your hearts will reign the spirit who must become the regenerator of your country. Then from your gatherings there will radiate out that which your part of the earth needs. With these thoughts in my mind, and with my gaze directed in reverence and devotion to the guiding powers of human evolution, I say that my wish is to call down every blessing on your work, the blessings of those powers who are today causing the mystery of Golgotha to find its way into human hearts, so that this blessing may flow out from your souls and from your work and radiate over your country. And I know that this blessing is always present if we are worthy of it. At this time, as we stand at the outset of your work, may the vision of a new impulse hover before our minds, the spiritual impulse which must pour into human evolution, and may the spiritual leaders of this impulse overshadow the work which we resolve to carry through rightfully. Then from this vision will arise the conviction that what we are doing for a limited region must be done for the whole human realm, and your duty will be clear. In this sense, may the blessing of the wise leaders of the world and of humankind prevail in your work and rise powerfully to illuminate your souls. Then its light will stream out from you, and you will be able to accomplish much that is essential for the healing progress and true evolution of humanity. The end of the lecture.